Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome to a brand new edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And right now I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Hope everyone is having a wonderful Thursday almost to the weekend. A lot that I want to talk about today on the podcast circling around movie and television news. I'm going to be getting into, of course, my annual weekend preview. A lot of movies coming out this weekend, both on streaming and in theaters exclusively that I'm going to be talking about. I'm also going to be getting into some comments that Michael Keaton made about returning as Batman in the Flash film and a whole lot more. But the first thing that I do want to start out talking about is we do have a brand new Marvel show on Disney Plus that started yesterday. It's the first animated show or animated project really from Marvel Studios and that is based off of the comic books What If and it's basically about these different scenarios that take place within the MCU during the first phase and they're all surrounded by the Watcher and the Watcher is this comic book character that is this all universal knowing being and we kind of see it from his eyes, his perspective of telling about these different scenarios that could have potentially played laid out across the multiverse that we now know to be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And if you've seen the show Loki, this could kind of pseudoly, spiritually kind of tie into the fact that now we have all these multiverse branches kind of coming about, and this could be some of them that we could be seeing popping up down the line. And I was looking forward to this project. I remember when it was first announced at San Diego Comic-Con and seeing that Marvel is getting into animation that this was going to be maybe a little bit of a spin-off didn't have any kind of connection to the overall story that we're telling the MCU again that could change down the line but just something kind of fun fresh and new I was really looking forward to it and seeing the trailers and the previews for the show it got me really excited and the fact that Jeffrey Wright is coming in to put to voice the watcher and you have over I believe it's 50 plus of the actors from the actual live action MCU returning to reprise their roles in this show is really exciting and to kind of see fresh new perspective and ideas is really really cool so I was really looking forward to the show and I heard some mixed to positive things about this show I know a lot of people have seen the first three episodes and that it improves incrementally in the next couple of weeks and that the first episode so far is the weakest and I do have to concur with those statements coming I, I think this this is going to hinder a lot of people watching and the fact that I think if they just watch every single week I do think it's going to get tedious for a lot of people because these aren't telling I think an overall story like WandaVision, Falcon, the Winter Soldier, and Loki did. And it's as of right now, just these standalone adventures. So I do recommend maybe waiting four or five weeks to binge watch this show. But just off of episode one alone, I could definitely see the creators trying to find their footing with this show within the first episode. It, it It's basically a what-if scenario about kind of retelling the first Captain America film, the first Avenger, but basically saying, what if instead of Steve Rogers taking the Super Soldier Serum, what if it was actually Peggy Carter that took the Super, Super Soldier Serum, what would happen in those events? And you had Haley Atwell returning to voice the, the, the role of Peggy. You had Dominic Cooper come back. You had Bradley Whitford lending his voice in this episode so there were some really cool character moments and i really like the the character of captain carter and i hope we see more of her in what if and even maybe down the road we could maybe potentially see her in live action i would love to see Haley atwell kind of take on this version of peggy carter and i think she would absolutely love to do that as well if if the opportunity presented itself and marvel studios wanted to do that so that would be really kind of cool to see and i liked where they took the 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 characters and i really kind of like how they flip the Steve Rogers character, put him in this kind of Ironmonger first version of an Iron Man kind 
kind of suit. That was really kind of cool to see as well. But I just think that it, it felt really, there wasn't anything exciting about it other than the fact that we get this other version of Captain America that's Captain Carter, but everything else was kind of a rehash of the first Captain America film. And there was nothing kind of new and different about it other than that that very first initial idea of, of switching the characters. And it just felt very bland. I thought the writing was a little too on the nose. Some of the one-liners I thought were a little cringeworthy, especially what they give to Haley Atwell to do. I think some of the lines she tried to do the best she could with them, but it just didn't come off, I think, the way that maybe the writers wanted to from page to, to screen. So some of the one-liners were a little bit cringy. I just felt it was very bland. It was very it was very run-of-the-mill in a way, and, and, and I didn't find it to be all that creatively different other than that initial switch a switcheroo that they do with Peggy Carter. So I'm really hoping that the next couple of episodes improve on this. I'm not saying that the show is going to be awful, but for first episode, I can definitely understand why people were didn't really like the first episode coming right out of the gate. And I'm hoping that the next couple of episodes really do improve and that the creators do find their footing and that they're able to tell these different scenarios of what if with these characters, but also expand on them in different ways and crazy kooky ways that we really haven't seen before because I didn't really get it with this episode and I'm hoping that the the creators the writers get more confidence in the eight episodes that we have left in the first season so overall a very eh episode of what if but I really like the concept that they do have going forward I really like the captain the cat I want to say captain marvel but it's captain carter character I hope we see more of her whether it's this season or in season two which I know they confirmed or again maybe we get her in live action in some film coming up or down the line in the next couple of years will be really exciting as well so some good things some bad things a, a bland episode overall some really exciting intriguing characters but I do want to see what they do going down the line in these next couple of weeks with this show before I really kind of give a my pinpoint accurate kind of description of this show and what I really think of about it. But for a first impression, not the best first impression, but hopefully it improves over the next couple of weeks. If you guys have seen the first episode of What If, let me know what you thought about it down below and leave your thoughts. Now, moving on to some big movie news that came out over the last day or so. And a lot of it is actually excitement for some up and coming projects that are coming down the line in the next couple of years. And I want to start out going to a Galaxy far, far away, and specifically talking about the Star Wars universe and Taika Waititi, who was announced during the Disney Investor Day in December of 2020 by Kathleen Kennedy that Taika Waititi would be taking on his own standalone Star Wars project in the next couple of years. He's a very busy director right now. He is working on the post-production for Thor Love and Thunder right now, and then the next thing it seems like he's going to be doing is taking on the Star Wars project as a writer and director, and he was talking to Wired, the magazine wired about Thor Love and Thunder. He is coming out with his new movie Free Guy, which we'll talk about a little later on. So a lot of people were asking him about all these different projects, and he's talked about Thor Love and Thunder a little bit, but the Star Wars project has escaped some people's minds, but Wired was able to catch up on him about it, and they asked him what what stage is he at in writing this film because we haven't heard any kind of progression on it other than the, the Disney Investor Day announcement in 2020. So people want to know what's the update on it. And this is what Taika Waititi had to say about his Star Wars project and the stage that it's in so far. It's still in the exterior space stage, he laughs, referring to the formal script scriptwriters used to set up a scene. But we've got a story. I'm really excited by it because it feels very me. Has it been a challenge to marry his irreverent tone with the uh, upper, the operatic 
likely sincere Star Wars universe. I tend to go down that little sincerity alleyway in my films, he says. I like to fool the viewer into thinking that, ha, it's this, and then them going, damn it, you made me feel something. And that's what he kind of described about what he's trying to do with the Star Wars film right now. So again, it sounds like he's still in the very early stages of of pre-production, writing out the script and really seeing where he's going to be going with this film. But really, when it was first announced, even before Disney Investor Day, that Taika Waititi was going to be taking on this film, it, it was no surprise that this was an inevitability, especially since the fact that he did an incredible job with Thor Ragnarok. He brought kind of this new, this new energy to that section, that franchise of the MCU with Thor, and a reason why he's taking on a fourth film, the first film to have a fourth installment in any of the franchises, minus Avengers, which had, of course, the two-parter with Infinity War and Endgame. But when it comes to the solo films, Thor is the first one to have its fourth film, and that's really because of what Taika, Taika Waititi was able to instill within that franchise and the way that he was able to make it operatic and fun and different and exciting. It made sense that that would translate into him doing something for Star Wars. And then given the fact that Marvel Studios, Lucasfilm, which owns Star Wars, they all fall under the uh, Disney umbrella, it would make sense that they would want to get him for that film, that franchise as well. So uh, it makes total sense for him to be a part of this. And I think what he could bring to the, to the Star Wars franchise franchise could be very interesting because, again, the the Star Wars franchise has had kind of the same tones throughout, where where they've had some excitement and fun, but they've been very serious. They've been really a space opera, and space operas are serious. They have love triangles, they have action, they have drama, but and they have some comedy, but not the kind of comedy that Taika Waititi brings to his film. So I'm very curious to see how that fits into the Star Wars universe. We know that he can do direct big blockbusters. We know he can write big blockbusters. He's an Academy Award-winning scriptwriter now after Jojo rabbit a few years ago so he knows what he's doing he knows how to handle these big sets so like james gunn working on a star wars film isn't going to i think really phase him all that much and the pressures that come with it because he's worked on a big franchise already so for for him it's gonna be very interesting to see if his tone fits into what the star wars universe is so i'm really excited to see how that band switch is really going to work out and and is it going to be totally different than anything we've seen before in the star wars franchise is it going to fit taika taika watiti's tone but still feel like it's a part of the Star Wars universe. I'm really excited to see how that all gets into, comes into play, but that's still a few years out. I think the first film is still Patty Jenkins' Rogue Squadron, which as of right now is still set to probably hit at around 2023, which is when the next Star Wars film is scheduled to come out. And then, of course, after that, Kathleen Kennedy and the the executives over at Disney did say that they were going to be doing not every consecutive year like they did in the last few years with Star Wars films. They were going to be taking a break every year after 2023. So the next Star Wars film would be in 2025. So is that when we're going to get Taika Waititi's film? Are we going to get it in 2027? So we we still don't know when we're going to get this movie because he is so busy. But the next thing we, of course, can look forward to with Taika is Thor Love and Thunder. And I think people are really excited about that. And then I think he's probably going to be focusing a lot of his intention on his Star Wars film. So what do you guys think about his comments in reference to this new Star Wars film. Let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts. And the final bit of movie news that I want to talk about today is the Michael Keaton conversation that we're having about the Batman and, of course, his role in the brand new The Flash film. When The Flash was kind of in its pre-production stages, it's been through 
production hell uh, throughout the years. And then Andy Muschietti kind of came in in around 2019, 2018, brought some stability to the director's chair after multiple directors went in and out of the project. There was stage, there there was script one rewrites to the film, which basically if you're doing, if you say you're going to script one or, or page one rewrites, you're basically going, you're scrapping everything you did with the project before and basically starting from scratch. So the flash went through that. It went through multiple writers and now there's some stability on the franchise and with this film and I think people were really looking forward to this film and what it was going to bring to the table but the big bombshell that dropped last year that I think got people really excited for what this film could be is the fact that Michael Keaton's Batman from the Tim Burton era of 89 and 92 is going to be coming back to this universe and it seems like we're going to be telling this multiversal storyline that involves Michael Keaton's Tim Burton universe Batman it also is going to be involving uh, uh, the first ever live action big film live action adaptation of Supergirl we obviously have the CW version with Melissa Bennett but of course this is going to be with Sasha Cali this is the first major film adaptation of that character and of course from my my most intriguing aspect of it I think for a lot of people as well that put this stamped this firmly on their radar after the Keaton announcement was that Ben Affleck was going to reprise his role as Batman from the Zack Snyder universe of DCU. And after all the talks of him never coming back again, he finally came back for this film. So there's a lot of exciting aspects of this film, and we haven't really gotten a lot of details of what this film is going to be about. And we still really have no idea, but we do have official, official confirmation, if this is any, of Michael Keaton talking about being and playing the Batman once again. And now, the reason Michael Keaton is talking about being the Batman is because he is out promoting his brand new film with Maggie Q that's coming out in a couple weeks called The Protégé. And of course, whenever he's going to be making the press rounds now, a lot of people are going to be asking him about the Batman. And he talked to two people specifically that grabbed a lot of headlines lines and I want to talk about what he was saying. He doesn't give away any specific plot details, but he does talk about being Batman once again because for a lot of people, Michael Keaton's claim to fame is playing Bruce Wayne slash Batman, even though people think of Adam West or Christian Bale or even Ben Affleck. For a lot of people's cases, even in today's day and age, their favorite Batman is still Michael Keaton's Batman. And the, the way that that ended, especially after Batman Forever and how he could have gone on, but there was a lot of issues with the studio and himself and now that he's finally come back people are wondering what's it like being in that cape and cowl once again and specifically he caught he talked to kevin mccarthy and basically kevin mccarthy asked him what's it like to play the role of batman again because again it's been so long to kind of go back to that role that you haven't done for many years what's it like and keen basically said and i'm quoting it was like riding a, a bike and that basically it was, I shouldn't say nothing, but he just fell right into it once again. Like he never left the sets whatsoever. And so I really, I'm happy to hear that it felt naturally to him. And then over at Collider, Steve Weintraub asked Michael Keaton about putting on the suit again and working on the film. And Michael Keaton started kind of amping up the excitement for what to experience on this film, especially when you see Batman and Michael Keaton's version of it for the very first time. And this is what he had to say starting out about putting on on the suit again was it hard was it easy and this is what he had to say 
It was weirdly and ironically easy, a little bit emotional, just a rush of memories without giving anything away, which I can't. Basically the first shot, not of the entire movie, but let's say the introduction of Batman is so good that when we walked on and started talking about a couple of shots and the angles, I went, whoa, this is big. This is great. I don't even mean for me, just the imagery, it's great. And reminiscent to some degree of Tim Burton, which again, coming from Michael Keaton, who worked with Tim Burton, not just on those films, but films such as Beetlejuice, he has worked and is familiar with Burton's filmography and the style that he goes with. Now that's saying a whole lot, that Andy Muschietti isn't just making this, he's making this his own film, but he's honoring what's coming in the past. Now, whether that means honoring some of the work from Zack Snyder when including both Ezra Miller and Ben Affleck into these characters once again, or even going so back as to when we're in Michael Keaton's universe of Batman, honoring what came before within the Burton era of that time period, whether it's the buildings and the city of Gotham, which with, with Tim Burton, the Gotham City was very much its own character. The landscapes and the sets were beautiful and and and, and, and horrifying and, and, and it fit Tim Burton's mold. And I think they were some of the best sets of Gotham that we have seen to date. And of course, the Batmobile and everything. So to kind of feel, to, for Keaton to say that it felt reminiscent of Burton, that he had that it basically was like no time had passed and it fit like a glove and it, it was easy and emotional you love hearing that kind of stuff and and, and for Keen to feel so passionately about this and love what he's doing on this set is great and from the set photos that we've seen of him as Bruce Wayne it looks really exciting he looks really good in that role so it's going to be really really cool to see Michael Keen back and I think it's going to be one of those moments for I think fans of, of, of an older generation and even of, of a newer one to see Michael Keaton once once again, that's going to be really exciting. It's going to be, I wouldn't, maybe not put it on the same pedestal as like Cap grabs Mjolnir or all the Avengers assembling Endgame, but it's definitely going to be up there with maybe, say, Thor arriving in Wakanda or the Avengers circling for the first time in the 2012 film. It's going to have that kind of goosebump reaction when I think people see that for the first time. And it's going to be really, really exciting. And I love what I'm hearing so far. And the fact that there was so much drama with this film throughout the pre-production phase, the fact that this film has gone on with no issues without production, we haven't really heard a word about it since it started production a couple of months ago. It seems like it's smooth sailing. Everyone's having a good time from the set photos that we've seen. It's really, really good to see that. And I'm really excited to see what Andy Muschietti does with this project. And it's going to be really cool to see how all that really kind of comes together in the end and, and what this movie is going to be about. I hope we hear a lot more about it when DC Fandom comes up in October. Would we get some footage? Maybe, maybe not. But just to get some more details about what this film is going to be about, how all this is going to come together, how all this is going to be kind of the beginning of the changing of the DCU, and how we can start connecting things within the multiverse, I think is going to be really, really fun. And so there's a lot riding on this project, but it sounds like a lot of fun. And compared to where this project was in 2017, 2018, I think a lot of people have this on their radar for one of their most anticipated comic book films to come out in the next year or two. It's definitely my third most anticipated film of the next year or so, right behind The Batman, which of course ranks number one as my most anticipated comic book film, and then right below it. There's another multiversal film that I'm excited about, just because I have confidence in the franchise right now, and, I, and I'm excited to see where that storyline is going to go, is of course Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. But right under it is that next multiversal film as well with The Flash. So uh, the multiverse is the way of the future for these comic book films, it seems like right now, and I'm really excited to see where it all goes from here. What did you guys think about Michael Keaton's 
talk about The Flash and coming back as Batman, let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts. And the final thing, guys, that I want to talk about on this edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast today is, of course, going over my weekend preview. What's coming out both on streaming and, of course, in theaters this weekend. And this is one of those weekends, again, where there's something for everybody. Again, not just in theaters, but also on streaming as well. We got a really cool action-adventure video game film that's coming out. We got a biopic coming out. We have a horror film. And then we have a family drama and action thriller on Netflix and on Apple TV+. Plus as well. So there's something for everybody. And I'm probably going to I'm going to start out by talking about probably my most anticipated flick of this weekend. And it's really because of all the buzz that I've heard and how much I've been looking forward to this film. It's Free Guy, which is directed by Stranger Things director Sean Levy. And it stars Ryan Reynolds, Jody Comer, Little Ray Howard, Joe Curie, and Taika Waititi. And I remember seeing the first trailer for this in 2019 when it was supposed to come out in the summer of last year but because of covid everything obviously got pushed back and even just watching the previews for this every single one of the marketing trailers for this film got better and better my excitement increased every single time i watched these trailers it looked fun and entertaining ryan reynolds is such a charmer and he's fun and he's energetic he's got his own personality to see jodie comer for her this is her first feature film debut she of course is well known for playing Eve and Killing Eve. She's an Emmy Award winning actress from that show. She's well known from it. But now she's taking the step into feature film into feature films. And she's gonna set to have a huge year this year. And it's all starting out this with Free Guy. And so I'm excited to see what she does and for Taika to be in here with his buddy Ryan Reynolds. It's great to see that. And then I think the biggest shocker of all was hearing the buzz about this film. And people, I think, were expecting it to be a fun film. Maybe not great, but fun and entertaining. But then you heard the reviews start coming out for this film, and they were through the roof. Some people even saying it's one of their favorite films of this year. And when you watch the previews for this, you wouldn't think that it is that. But it seems like it has a charm, a heart to it that many people didn't expect some great cameos. And I've heard a lot about the third act, especially. Again, I don't know what it's what it entails. I have not seen the film yet, but I'm really excited about this film. And you don't really see a lot of big budgeted original films get this kind of reception. And the big thing, of course, is hopefully that people receive that and the the reception is just as good and that markets into box office and dollars. And that's really what studios uh, respond to. And hopefully an original film like this gets that kind of, of, of praise and gets that kind of love from the audience as well. So I hope this does well. This is going to be very interesting to see how it does at the box office because, again, Free Guy is not going to day and date on Hulu or on Disney+. Plus, it is a part of the Disney Corporation because 20th Century Studios is now owned by Walt Disney. So it is not going on any streaming service day and date. It is going exclusively in theaters for 45 days. And especially with The Quiet Place Part 2, we saw it with F9 as well. With the shortened theatrical window, it's did very, very, very well at the box office. The big thing, of course, is, is where the pandemic is at right now. And in June and in late May, we didn't have the, the Delta variant to be as concerned about as we are right now. So... The, the latest slides that we've been seeing at the box office 
Is it going to work for theaters this time around? Is is it truly the day and date release not – is it really affecting box office as much as we are seeing? And I don't think Free Guy is the end-all, be-all. I do think that is another Marvel Studios film that is coming out in a few weeks from now, which I'll talk about in the coming days and weeks to follow leading up to Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. But I do think Free Guy could be an indication of what we could see if this really is a trend that is going on right now and people just don't want to go to the movies because of kind of a renewed scare with the pandemic right now. So Free Guy isn't going to be the end-all, be-all, like I thought F9 or even Black Widow would be, but Shang-Chi could potentially be that. But Free Guy could be a slight indicator of where things are going, especially since it is going to be an exclusive theatrical release for at least 45 or so days in theaters before going on video on demand, premium video on demand, and before hitting streaming services. And then another film that is going to be set exclusively in theaters is the Aretha Aretha Franklin biopic, Respect, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, that stars the one and only Jennifer Hudson, Forrest Whitaker, Marlon Wayans, and Mary J. Blige. It's directed by LaSalle Tommy. This is another film that was set to come out last year, but because of the pandemic, was moved, and it had a a real good shot at some Oscar love as well, but the studio didn't feel comfortable, so they decided to move it to August of this year. And it seems like those uh, that Oscar buzz is still alive specifically for Jennifer Hudson. I have not seen this film yet, but there's a lot of great stories behind this one, especially the fact that the late, great Aretha Franklin, who was the queen of soul music, is one of the great musicians and singers of all time. And that she was really a big part of this project. She handpicked Jennifer Hudson specifically to play her in this film, and that, and that of course, is saying something. So the fact that this is getting Oscar buzz is great. This does remind me of Judy a little bit, where I've heard the film itself is a typical biopic film, but is elevated because of the great performance by Jennifer Hudson. So I'm looking forward to this film. If I still, if I had the same vibe that I had with Judy, which I enjoyed that film and very much was because of the performance put on by Renee Zellweger, then I'm really excited to see what this film is going to do. I would not be surprised if we heard some Oscar buzz from this film going forward with Jennifer Hudson for her performance specifically. So we'll see where this lands but respect is one i'm really looking forward to and excited to see what jennifer hudson does with the Aretha franklin role and then the last film that's set to hit theaters this weekend is the surprise sequel that we're getting to a film that did very well at the box office when it came out in 2016 2017 when it came 2016 when it came out and that of course is the sequel to Don't Breathe, and this is Don't Breathe 2, and it has Stephen Lang coming back to reprise his role as a blind man, and this time around, he's playing more of kind of an an anti-hero than he did before, and I enjoyed the first Don't Breathe film. It was an exciting different kind of horror film where it was very much kind of it was before a quiet place really kind of became that big film that utilized audio in a way and this is a film that kind of utilized that quiet aspect in a way as well where this blind man is hunting down these group of kids and he can't make any noise and i think that was a really cool concept that they utilized back in 2016 when this came out and to do a sequel to it it was surprising and i wonder how it's really going to do in theaters it looks 
interesting. It looks kind of uh, the fact that they're making the blind man an anti-hero after kind of being this weird villain in the first film is very interesting. And now they want people to be sympathetic towards that character is very interesting. So I'll be curious to see how it all plays out. But it's a, again, there's a lot of stuff to see this weekend. And, and if you're looking for horror slash thriller, usually August, there's one that usually kind of comes out that sometimes is a big success. In 2016, the first Don't Breathe was that kind of little indie horror gem that came about that did well in August. Don't be uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark a few years ago was another one that came out in August. So there are some August horror films that come out that do surprisingly well, especially with the small budget that it has, that this could very well be that as well for Don't Breathe 2. And then the final two things that I'm really looking forward to, specifically, the uh, there's a drama film coming out on Apple TV Plus this weekend called Coda. And it premiered at the Sundance Film Festival. It won a boatload of awards. It won the, the, the Grand Jury Prize there. It, it really kind of won the major, major prizes that you need to win one winning at the Sundance Film Festival. It was acquired by Apple TV for a boatload of money, a record $25 million, surpassing by, I believe it was maybe a dollar or a million dollars, the acquisition that Neon bought for Palm Springs last year when it premiered at Sundance before the pandemic hit. And Coda won the Grand Jury Prize. It won the Dramatic Audience Award, the Special Jury Ensemble Cast Award. It won a boatload of awards at the Sundance Film Festival earlier this year. There's been a lot of praise surrounding this film. People love it. It has a chance to be an Oscar contender. And Coda is actually the the short version of the word child of deaf adults. And basically, this is about a one woman who's played by Amelia Jones, who plays Ruby Rossi. And it's about her kind of being the only hearing abled person to this majority deaf family. And they really rely on her to uphold their business, to be kind of a, a middle person in the communication line between people that can hear in the deaf community. And she has her own dreams and aspirations that she wants to kind of go and do. She wants to be a singer, songwriter. So it's really about this woman's journey into being who she is, her duties to her family, to herself. And I've heard some really good things about this film. And of course, highlighting the community of uh, the, the, the deaf community and really giving them a, a spotlight to shine on is really, really cool to see. So I'm really looking forward to watching this film. I'll have a review for it out in the next couple of days as well. And the final film that's set to come out on Netflix, where actually there's two films that are that came out on Netflix. There's one that actually came out yesterday, Wednesday, August 11th. If you're a fan of the Kissing Booth franchise, the final film in that trilogy, The Kissing Booth 3, is now on Netflix. It's been a summer staple for the last couple of years now. It stars Joey King, Joel Courtney, Jacob Elderly from Euphoria. So there is, if you're a fan of this franchise, then you have that film to chomp on for the last couple of weeks of summer as well. But I think for a lot of people, the one that I'm looking forward to actually is this brand new foreign, um, foreign American film that's coming out on Netflix and it is titled Beckett. And Beckett stars John David Washington, Boyd Holbrook, and Alicia Vikander and is directed by Fernando Clio from Mario. And basically the synopsis of this film reads as, while vacationing in Greece, Beckett, an American tourist, becomes a target of a manhunt after a devastating accident. Forced to run for his life and desperate to reach the U.S. Embassy in Athens to clear his name, tensions escalate as the authorities close in, political unrest mounts, and Beckett falls even deeper into a dangerous web of conspiracy. Now, if you know me, if you've been listening to the Sam Bissell podcast for a number of years, 
you know that I am a sucker for political thrillers. If it has to do with conspiracies and government, I am all for that stuff. I love Captain America, the Winter Soldier. It reminds me of that a lot. You also have Three Days of Candor. You have the Parallax, uh, the, the, the Parallax Paradox. You have... You have all, all the president's men. There are countless kind of conspiracy political thrillers out there, and this is definitely one of them. And I'm a big fan of them, so I'm very much looking forward to watching this film when it comes out on Netflix tomorrow. And that would probably be my number two film to check out this weekend. If I had to rank them in order, it would probably go Free Guy, Beckett, Respect Coda, and don't breathe. Don't breathe would definitely be very low on the totem pole for that one. But the those four, Free Guy, Beckett, Respect, and Coda, are very much on my list to check out this weekend. And those are the ones that I very much recommend checking out. If you feel safe going to a theater, very much recommend trying to go out and see Free Guy if possible. And if you're a fan of Aretha Franklin, definitely go out and check Respect. But if you're trying to go at home and check something out, you have definitely two films that I think really, really are going to be are, are very well done with Beckett and coda so those are the films coming up this weekend that is my weekend preview for the films hitting both streaming and theaters this weekend what do you guys think which film are you excited to see this weekend if any of them or are you going to watch something like suicide squad again are you going to go see free guy black widow are you going to watch again are you going to watch something else entirely let me know what you think down below and what you're excited about seeing this that's new this weekend down below and leave your thoughts but with that down and out of the way everybody that will do it for this edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast. Once again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune in on seeing the biggest podcast solutions. And be sure to check out these other amazing shows that are on the podcast solutions, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also, check out Goal Driven Professionals, Geared Toward Improving Client Relations, Return on Investment, and Customer Acquisition Costs for Independent Businesses and Services. Also, check out The Daily Grind, a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson, giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. Also, along the way, make sure to check out these other amazing shows on the podcast solutions, such as Wrestle Attic Radio, WrestleMania Podcast, and Midnight Showing. You check these out and so much more on the website, ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com, also on Facebook and Twitter at Real Ambiguous. And if you want to check out Canopy Treehouse, use the coupon code AMBIGUOUS. Also, when you get a chance, make sure to follow me on social media. You can find me on Twitter at Bissell Samuel. That's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. And also on Facebook at Sam Bissell. Also, if you want to check out my YouTube channel, you can check me out on my YouTube channel at The Sam Bissell Podcast. So once again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, keep on screening.